So um, if you've just joined us, everybody, we are uh, in a series this morning talking about vision, talking about vision. We are looking at what we feel God has placed on our hearts specifically uh, as a local church in Jabe for the year ahead. What is he, what is he calling us to pursue, uh, to lean into, to embrace as, as, as far as the vision goes uh, for us in 2024, both for our lives uh, individually and collectively uh, as a body of believers? And that's, that's an important question to ask, isn't it? Because we don't want to occupy our time by just doing things for the sake of doing them. Right, we want to we want to make this year count for something significant. Um, and if we look around us, the world now more than ever needs a group of spirit-filled, enthusiastic, committed believers to take charge of the environment around us, to make a difference in some way, to make a positive spiritual mark. Can you say amen to that this morning, church? And what better time of the year to talk about that vision, our unique impact, than at the start of the year? And so this is week three uh, of our series on vision. Week one was sort of an impromptu outdoor gathering. So technically, I suppose this is week four, but according to the record, this is week three. Uh, and I want to just give a brief recap before diving into the message with you this morning that I've entitled Faith or Flight. Faith or Flight. You guys know the play on words there. I'll get to that in just a bit. But we said that uh, we get the sense that as a local community, as a local body of believers, God is calling us to enjoy Him more this year. That was our unique vision. That's what we felt the Lord place on our hearts. That's been what we've been unpacking over the last two weeks. And Psalm 37, uh, specifically verse 4, has been our sort of flagship verse for the series. And the guys have got it up on the screen there. Uh, this has been our sort of flagship series for this vision, which we've been talking about. Psalm 37 verse 4 to 9 says this, Trust in the Lord and do what is good. You see the order there. Trust in the Lord and then do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. It's a verse that a lot of us probably know, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, as some translations say, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. It's not something that we like to do often, right, as people, but there's the call from Scripture. Don't be agitated by the one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Don't worry about them. Refrain from anger. Give up your rage. Don't be agitated. It could only bring harm. Why? Hectic ending here. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. It's a big passage of Scripture, and over the, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to say that we, we are to enjoy the Lord more, to take delight in the Lord, as Psalm 37 puts it. Well, in week one, we said that at times, us as Christians, we often go to God with something that we would like Him to do for us. You know, we bring our prayer requests to Him. Or we go to Him with something that we are tr or would, or trusting that we can do for Him, like this new plan, this new activity, this new idea that I have. But we asked the question in week one, how often do we go to God without an agenda? How often do we just go to Him for the sake of our relationship with Him? It's an important question, right? Do we, do we fully acknowledge and embrace the call to be someone first before the call to do something for Him? Just to be in His presence before to do. And it's, you know, it's because we don't want to get to the end of this year feeling like we've accomplished a lot on the outside, but on the inside we still feel spiritually drained. Like my to-do list is full, but my heart is empty. That's what we want to avoid. And that's why we've been, we've been talking about this. And, 
you know, we, we don't want to get to the end with this great list, but at the expense of spiritual health or spiritual relationship with one another and with ourselves, which is what today's message is going to be centered around. And we said that, firstly, how we unpack that, how we do that, what it means to enjoy the Lord more, means that, firstly, we find purpose in His presence, and that's through worship. You know, worship reminds us that He is God and that we are not. And that's an important posture of the heart to have, right? To find ourselves at His feet first, before anything. That's what worship does. It reminds us of our purpose, which is to glorify God. Um, and we also said, secondly, that enjoying the Lord means that we find joy in His promises, and that's through His Word. Purpose in His presence and joy in His promises. You know, we need to surround ourselves, church, this year, if we're going to enjoy the Lord more. We need to saturate our souls with constant reminders of the promises that we have through faith in Christ. We have to do that. I really feel the strong sense of urgency lately. Maybe it's because I've been doing this, this read the Bible in 30, day, um, in 30 days challenge thing. But I'm just so reminded of how important it is to allow God's voice to be louder than any other voice. It's such an important thing. And if we're going to click into that gear of, Lord, I want to I wanna enjoy you just for you, we need to know what it is that he's spoken about us, what he's spoken over us. We need to go there first before any of the other voices that we hear around us. And, you know, very soon when you've, when you've spoken those promises of God over your life, those other voices don't seem as loud anymore. Those negative voices, those self-condemning voices, those, you know, judgmental voices, they all seem quieter when we allow God's voice through His Word to take center stage in our lives. And then lastly, we said that living out this vision also means that we find protection in His power, and that's through prayer. You know, we often say this thing as Christians, oh, the least I can do is pray for you. You know, I'm going through a difficult thing. Oh, the least I can do is, is pray for you. I want to challenge that and say it's the most powerful thing you can do is to pray for someone. Amen? Because you're not praying in your name. You're praying in Jesus' name. And that's a name above every other name. Can you say amen to that, church? So let's never forget the power of God's protection that's available through prayer. And then last, uh, last week, uh, week two, we added to that by saying that one of the keys to enjoying the Lord more is to be fully surrendered to Him. We spoke about surrender last week and we said, you know, we need to get to that place in our relationship with the Lord where we can confidently say, even about the most important thing in your life, Abraham and Isaac, right? That, Lord, I surrender all. I want what you want. I want my will to be your will. I trust you. Let your will be done, not mine. And we said that for the degree by which you are surrendered to God, that's the degree by which you encounter him. That's what we're after this year. We want to live a life of encounter with God, and that happens through our willing surrender to His will. And so today, uh, friends, we're going to conclude this vision series by looking at what I'm sure a lot of people in this room, whether that's here or listening online, will attest to as being one of the most important and most beautiful aspects of enjoying the Lord more. And that is coffee. No. It's a big part of it, especially when you've had as little sleep as I have. Spiritual community. Spiritual community, that is what we're going to be focusing on and talking about this morning over the 20 or so minutes that I have left with you. Now, I'm aware that whenever you mention the topic, spiritual community, there are a few varied responses in the room. I'm aware there's going to be a few categories of people, if you like, with their own views uh, based on their own uh, experiences and perceptions on this topic when you mention spiritual community. So I'm aware that in the room, whenever you mention this topic, you might find a group of people who are quite familiar with this concept. You know, that's because they've been part of one for a while or are currently in one. And, you know, they might even amen the idea. Yes, spiritual community. I believe in it. I'm in it. It's a good thing. I'm part of one. 
So you get that category of people. Then you also get the category of people that aren't too familiar with what the term means, right? Because they haven't yet possibly stepped into a spiritual community of some kind. They're not exactly sure, right? So there's that group of people. And then there's a category who find themselves somewhere in the middle, who perhaps at some point in their journey had an experience of it, right? They dabbled in the idea of spiritual community in some way, but something happened and they kind of checked out and now they're sort of somewhere in the middle, right? Not fully in, but not fully out. Um, you might find that some of the people in this category may even be carrying some baggage or resentment or hurt because of something that happened in a previous season of spiritual community, the spiritual community that they were, that they were part of. Uh, and I've been sharing some pretty honest thoughts and personal experiences with you over this series. So is it okay if I continue that, that theme for just a bit uh, and just, just say that this was me? Right? I was in that last category for quite a while, having had some kind of a, um, let's just say a traumatic experience. <clears throat> let's call it what it is when it came to spiritual community. So um, the story goes that I was part of a church in PE, not Father's House. Okay, So it was long before Father's House. Fairly large church, 400 to 600 people, sort of in the evening service attendance. Um, I was invited by one of my closest friends to attend the church. Uh, and then one Sunday evening he said, you know what, you should come to our cell group on Wednesday. Who remembers when they were still called cell groups? Who the old, yeah, there you go. Um, now, you know what it's like, you know, when someone invites you to do that. You're like, well, the first question I ask him is, what's a cell group? And he's like, no, you know, it's just a group of guys. You know, we just get together. We love the Lord. You know, we sing and we read a bit and we, and we, and we praise. It's amazing. So I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, but because you invited me, good friend, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go to this thing. So anyway, Wednesday night comes around and, you know, I get dressed up in my Sunday best, you know. I'd rather be overdressed than underdressed for this cell that I'm going to. Um, so off I went, you know, to this, this guy's house and um, I walked in, you know, feeling all nervous, new to faith, new to Christianity, don't know what this whole thing is about, not sure what to expect. My friend invited me, so it's going to be okay. Well, it wasn't five minutes into the evening where the worship started and things started happening, okay? The CD was playing. Who remembers the CD? Who remembers the CD? If you don't know what a CD is, be blessed. The CD was playing some songs that I'd never heard. Long intros, lots of crying and stuff and shouting. And then five minutes in, the one, the one guy is on his back in the middle of the lounge floor laughing. And I don't know what he's laughing at. I'm like, why is this guy laughing so much? Is there something I'm wearing that's wrong? Is there something that's happening? So he's busy laughing, the worship music's playing, another guy's in the corner crying, shirtless, which was also weird. I didn't quite understand that one. Uh, and then this other dude is literally just staring at me straight in the face, like, I was like, do I owe you something? Are you, are you with SARS? Like, why are, you, why are you staring at me like this? It was super intimidating, you know? It was super awkward. Uh, is this too real for you guys? Can I, can I just, can I share my own, my own heart here? Um, and then to make matters worse, you know, once the dust had settled and everyone put their shirts back on, um, the guy looks at me, the same guy that was staring at me, and he's just like, are you saved? And I'm like, uh, yes, sir. Uh, you know, you don't want to seem like the guy that doesn't know what's going on. And what if I said no? You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to make me walk over hot coals or something? I don't know. So you just say yes, you know. Um, is, this, is this breaking down some walls for some people? Did anyone else ever, or was it just me? 
By the way, this is not how Father's House groups are run on a Wednesday night, okay? So this, this, is, well, this didn't inform my theology on Father's House groups. Um, we keep it chill. We just stick to animal sacrifices and stuff, you know, on Wednesdays. <laughs> no one's going to come on the 21st. Yellow men's is mull. I'm not going to go there. You're mad. But I share that story with you, friends, just to, just to, just to say this, that Let's just own the fact that there are some confusing and entertaining examples out there when it comes to a group of believers gathering together in spiritual community, right? We should just own that. But here's the thing. Even if you had an experience like mine where you were confused and you were traumatized and you didn't understand everything and you wanted to check out, even if you, or even if you haven't yet stepped into it, the value of spiritual community remains unchanged, the value of spiritual community hasn't changed. Our experiences of it are not greater than the truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? We might have had a negative experience about something, but it doesn't change the value in Scripture of what it actually is. And the truth is, we as the body of Christ were created in and for community. We were not created with the intention of doing life alone. It was never God's plan for our lives. And you know, as I shared last week on the topic of surrender, I think too many Christians nowadays are walking around, walking around the arena of faith, looking into it, looking into the field, as it were, observing from a distance, you know, the place where all this action is taking place, and they're wondering why they're feeling disconnected or frustrated in their spiritual journeys. And I think possibly one of the reasons is that too many people are holding on to a past hurt or an experience or something that they had when it came to church life and that's now the defining truth of what it all is when actually there's, there's, there's so much more to it than what our limited experience would inform us of. And I mean, maybe people have found other avenues to find acceptance you know, because maybe this was for me too and it's quite a, quite a harsh point to make, but maybe we wanted the idea of community, but we weren't willing to go through the process of becoming it. I wanted the idea of community, but I wasn't, I wasn't willing to go through the process of, okay, let's move past that obstacle. Maybe that just wasn't the right one for you, because guess what? The other guys were loving it. Maybe that just wasn't your one, you know? I wasn't willing to, to, to go through the process of becoming community. And I think it's really important that we, that, we, that we address that as we look forward to enjoying the Lord more this year. You know, because I've heard so many people say, you know, I tried that Christian thing, but it really wasn't for me, you know? Um, I gave church a shot, but it didn't really work out for whatever reason. Um, I've met a lot of people over the years who have checked out of faith because they haven't checked into community. And I want for us to, 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 to go into this year knowing the value of it and embracing it for what it is because it is one of the cornerstones. It's one of the catalysts of enjoying God more. You know, the truth is if, we, if we're not close enough to one another, in some kind of spiritual community. In other words, if we try out Christianity, you miss out on so much of the joy and excitement that comes with and growth that comes with this life of faith that God has called us to live. And this, this, this prevents us from enjoying our faith journey. And so here's the thing, friends. Think about it this way. Let's just get real again for a second. If we're considering that one of the ways is to, is to, of enjoying the Lord is to find yourself in community, if that's one of the catalysts, if God is relational, which he is, if he exists, if he exists in perfect spiritual community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and if God exists in a perfect love relationship within that community, then surely our lives should model that in some way. Surely our lives should reflect 
the model of community that we find in our Savior. Our lives should resemble in one way or another the divine community that we have living on the inside of us by virtue of our salvation. In fact, Jesus gets pretty real in the Gospel of John when he says, this is the one thing that will define whether or not you are part of the community of believers. He gives us one thing. Have a look at John 13, 34 to 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are to also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's a really big idea. He says, by this, this one thing, if you have love for one another, that's how the world will know you're in my spiritual community. A pastor Israel from Father's House Cape Town said this when it came to this topic. He says, the same command for me to love one another is the same command for me to be loved by one another. Think about it. How are you ever going to love one another if you aren't around another person? And the same command that we have to love one another is the same command for me to be loved by someone. This is what community is. This is where it takes place. Can you say amen to that? Your scripture is so full of this idea. Please do yourself a favor and do a search on scriptures that talk about community. Spend a few weeks reading through them. I promise you it'll, it'll, it'll blow your mind. I'm going to share just one of them with you. Uh, and then we're going to unpack a story uh, from a group of friends in the Bible who really showed us the power of what spiritual community is. Uh, one of the best passages on this topic must surely be 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 13, what does it speak about? Love, 1 Corinthians 12. Body, yeah, Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, back to spiritual gifts. Love in the center, right? This is 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about the church, who we are. Uh, he says this in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Yeah, he gives us our, our um, what do you want to call it? Description. For just as, uh, sorry, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist, uh, consist of many, sorry, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. There's many parts to this thing. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less. You can't say, because I'm not a preacher because I'm not a worship leader, because I don't volunteer in some team, because I'm not a church leader, I'm not part of the body. No, it doesn't make you any less. Uh, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of it. And here's a re really cool analogy. If the whole body were an eye, verse 17, where would the sense of hearing be? <laughs> we're going to come back to that in, in, in a moment. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. One member, one, one, one body, many, many members. I'm not going to go through the rest of it, guys, just, just for the sake of time. But uh, we can get a, real, a really strong sense from that passage that we are, we are, it's so integral to our faith journey to recognize that we are part of one another in spiritual community in Christ. We have to understand the importance of being connected uh, in this way. And so, my hope in sharing this morning with you, church, and I'm going to do my best to, to get us out of here by about 10 past. My hope in sharing this morning with this, the, the message with you this morning is that you would see with new eyes the beauty of enjoying the Lord more through spiritual community. That's the goal. So here's what we're going to do. For a moment, I'm going to look at what spiritual community is. I think it's important we define it. We're going to look at what it's not. 
so we can be clear, right? And then I'm going to take us through the story uh, of a group of friends in the Bible that really revealed to us the, the power and significance of this idea. Are we okay this morning? Are you guys with me? So firstly, what is spiritual community exactly? When we talk about it, what do we mean? What does it mean? Well, very simply, I found this definition that I like. It says you could define community as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. It's a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. You know, there's different levels of community, right, that we get. There's the school classroom. That's a type of community based on education. There's a sports team. That's a community. A sports club, motorbike club, parents who drop their kids off at school in the morning. I'm realizing that that's also a community, you know. Parents who do the school run, you kind of talk about shared experiences and the common goal of sleep and no screaming in the car on the way home. Um, I was actually reminded of the story recently, and, and some of you will know that our son really struggled with sleep for the first, I don't know, year and a bit of his life. He sort of had this theory, you know, he wanted to test um, how long the human eyeball can stay open uh, in sort of a five-day period. He would see how, you know, how long we could actually stay awake before we just fell asleep on our feet. But um, the one day, he must have been about six or eight months old, we were in St. Francis for the weekend, my wife and I, and we thought, you know, maybe if we got closer to the sea, he would sleep better. I don't know what the, what the, what the reasoning was. But, um, you know, we had one of those two to three hours of broken sleep, and eventually, after trying to get him down, it's five o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, well, okay, here's my day going to start. He's rolling around, throwing things around, so <clears throat> let's go for a walk. And um, there I go, walking, walking along the road uh, to the beach, carrying him in my arms, because he also thought prams and baby carriers were just for decoration. They didn't really have any use. So I'm busy carrying him in my arms, and um, I'm walking down the road toward, towards the beach, and I see a fellow dad walking towards us, um, also carrying a bundle of joy in his arms. And uh, we kind of got like <laughs> two or three meters away from each other, and I just sort of looked up, and he looked up at me, and, and he looked as tired as I felt, and I looked as tired as he felt. And in just this moment, we just gave each other a little... <laughs> and say, we just... I've never said so much with so few words, just this nod. It's like, I feel you, brother. Just, I got you. This is, this is tough, but I got you, you know. Parents, it's a type of community, interest groups, music groups. These are all type of communities and fellowships, right? Because they share the same goal. So here's the difference between spiritual community and everyday community. Everyday community unites over what they do. Spiritual community is united over what someone else did for them. You see that? Everyday community unites over something they do, a sport, a hobby, workplace, environment, parents, whatever it is. We as believers are united. Our common interest is the cross of the Lord Jesus who did something for us. Our fellowship is because we are followers of Jesus. That's why we gather. Not because of what we do, but because of what he did for us. Can you say amen to that this morning? And it's, it's a very important definition and, and distinction to make because here's the thing about community, church, and I'm sorry to say this, but community is messy. <laughs> it is. That shirtless guy in the corner, you know. Community is messy. You know why? Because you and I are messy. <laughs> sorry to be so harsh. You and I have issues. We have mistakes. We're people. None of us are perfect. We all have imperfections that, and we make mistakes that make other people go, what's wrong with you? You know, put your shirt back on, pastor. 
But this is why this is important. This is why this distinction is important. In everyday community, you'll stay connected as long as everyone is doing what they should. But the minute you stop, often the community rock falls away. But because of us in spiritual community, because of Christ, we're on Him as the rock. And so it doesn't matter when we make mistakes. It's okay that things get a little bit messy. We're able to move past our differences and stay connected even if we make mistakes. Can you say amen to that? Ephesians 4, this is a great passage of Scripture talking about this idea. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul writing, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, here's some relationship principles, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit. Here here he goes again with this idea about being united around Christ. Uh, Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, faith, baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's a very important scripture, and it tells us that spiritual community carries spiritual weight. Amen? And so can I just give you four quick things that you can use to define what spiritual community looks like? Uh, If you're the note-taking type, you're welcome to jot these down. If you're not, just smile and act impressed anyway. Um, these These are four things that define what spiritual community is. Are you guys ready? First one, devotion. Devotion. What does that mean? It means that we're devoted to community even when it's messy, even when it's not comfortable. I'm devoted to the Lord. I'm devoted to His Word, His worship, and His people, even when it doesn't seem comfortable. You know, if people can show up at 4.30 a.m. to exercise, we can show up as a group of believers to spiritual matters. Amen? Devotion. Secondly, compassion. That's surely a, a, a characteristic of spiritual community, right? Holding one another's hand up when things get tough. When someone in my community is hurting or needs something, I'm there. I'm there. I'm supporting them. Compassion. Thirdly, frequency. This is important. You know, that passage, oh, this, by the way, is is based on Acts chapter 2, if you want to read about one of the greatest definitions of what community looks like in Scripture, Acts chapter 2. This passage in Acts says, every day, these people continue to meet together in the temple courts. The early church didn't let options get in the way of community. People today might engage as long as it's comfortable, as long as nothing else comes up, right? As the article said, everyone wants friends, no one wants frequency. (gasps) Sorry, was that a bit straightforward? But this is what community is, right? It's best formed in the face of options. Uh, And then finally, growth. This must be one of the characteristics uh, as well. It's not just about creating a little holy huddle, right, and staying there. This is about internal growth and also seeing our ministry, the nature of what we are called to do grow. We have to grow both in, in, in both of those ways. And by the way, just quickly for Father's House Church, what does that look like? What does this look like practically? Uh, and I'm aware also that this might not be the spiritual community for some of us. And I'm totally okay with that. Just by the way, coming from your pastor, we're not here to make disciples of Father's House. We're here to make disciples of Jesus. And if you feel at peace in another community of believers, please listen to the voice of God and go and do that. The point is that we are connected in one, right? But for us as Father's House, what does that look like? Well, dream team volunteers. That's a spiritual community. Band, kids church, coffee shop, media, creative, production. All those teams, individually and collectively, that's a spiritual community. Grow groups, as we call them. Midweek gatherings of like-minded people. Church on a Sunday, that's a broader community. All of these unite around the common cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us as Father's House, we, we, interpret, we interpret our vision to, to, to really speak to that. And we always refer to it. It's up on the wall there, but 
this is a really big part of it, is finding that community to serve the vision that you're, that you're part of. And I'm looking forward to taking a few more of those steps towards activation that I mentioned just now. So that's what spiritual community is. What isn't it, church? What isn't spiritual community? Well, the one main example of what spiritual community isn't, I suppose, can be best summarized by the statement, unity does not mean uniformity. Unity does not mean uniformity. What does that mean? We are not saying that by forming part of a spiritual community, everyone must suddenly start looking the same, dressing the same, talking the same, smelling the same. I don't know. Help me here. But you understand what I'm saying? When you form part of the spiritual community of faith, no one is asking you to check your uniqueness and individuality at the door, right? And to conform to some standard of the holiest person in the room, whatever they think it should be, whatever the holiest Christian means as well. Um, no, we're saying bring your individual gift. Bring your unique calling. Bring your quirkiness. And with the unique calling and gifting and quirkiness of others, when it's infused by the Spirit in spiritual community, something supernatural happens. Can you say amen to that? That's what, that's what it is. Unity in the body of Christ does not mean uniformity. We just read about the different, the different parts, right? And this is another big distinction between spiritual and everyday community. If you look at a group of cyclists, for example, we can identify what they look like. There's the cyclist community, right? And their tights and lumo shirts and those things on the, what are those things on the bike called? Cleats. Like they crop around the coffee shop floor, right? Cyclists, bikers, leather jackets, you know, helmets, uh, some language. Um, <laughs> fishermen, let's poke fun at my own type. Fishermen, easily identifiable spiritual community. Uh, 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 everyday community, although some guys might think it's spiritual. Um, you know, very, very easy to identify. Oh, there go the fishermen, you know? And some of them are sitting in the room this morning. Um, some of the clubs here in the Eastern Cape are drinking clubs with a fishing problem as well, not the other way around, which is, which is also problematic. Don't get involved in those. But our distinction as the body of Christ, on the other hand, is exactly that. It's Christ Jesus. He is the one that defines us. And that's why in a church like Father's House, you can stand in a room with people that you would otherwise never be in a room with and raise your hands in worship and say, we're here for you, Jesus. Because he's the one that unites us. He's the common cause. Can you say amen to that? Spiritual community is a uniquely beautiful thing, friends, and it's not about uniformity. And another thing, just lastly, before I take us to that story, that spiritual community is not, is it is not about unhealthy accountability. I'm going to take a pause for this one because, again, it's a personal experience of mine. When we talk about spiritual community, we are not talking about unhealthy accountability. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Has anyone had an experience of that? Yeah, it's this weird thing that crept into church life some years ago where it, boiled, it basically boiled down to, I can't do this or that unless my accountability partner, my spiritual guru, in other words, said that I can. Do you know what I mean? This unhealthy level of, I'm not able to make my own decisions unless I get the green tick from my, my partner, you know? Like our lives were governed by someone else. And while I'm, you know, there's absolutely a place for mentorship and healthy accountability, proper discipleship, I'm not saying that. We're, we're, we're not out here trying to create dependency on one another by saying form part of the community. We are here to make disciples of Jesus, so we're not saying that you have to, you know, go through this weird decision-making process. Not at all. 
where you had to draw out the Christ-likeness in people and get everyone to that place where they're standing on their own feet, strong in their relationship with the Lord, able to take charge, and we go, how can we support you in that? That is what spiritual community is, is, is all about. Can you say amen there, church? Sorry, I need, a, I need a verse for that point. 1 John 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There it is. If we walk in the light, I'm not walking in your shadow. <laughs> I'm walking in the light because he's in the light. I'm following him. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So I hope that helped define a little of what we talk about when we mean spiritual community and what we don't mean. And with that being said, church, I want us to look for a moment at a story from the Bible that shows us just how powerful this idea can be. We've looked at what it, what it is. We've looked at what, it, at what it isn't. This is what it does. This is where the power lies. And it's a story about Daniel and his three friends. What are their names? Shadrach? There we go. Uh, and these guys found themselves in, uh, let's just say, a tricky situation. They found themselves in a, in a tricky situation. And what I want to do this morning is just read through some sections of Daniel chapter 3 and highlight some of the things a community does in the life of the believer to show us that this isn't just some cool church idea, right? This isn't some cool Father's House or Lloyd idea. This, this, is, this is so key. It's the power of God revealed in Scripture and, and what He's calling us to, to, to live in with our, with our relationship with, with one another. And before I get there quickly, just a little bit of context to Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Um, it's quite important. God's chosen people, the Israelites, made a huge mess of everything. Absolutely a royal, a royal mess. Uh, they've been taken out of their own homeland. They're in exile in a place called Babylon. Uh, they disobeyed God, and so he's handed them over to their enemies. King Nebuchadnezzar, or King Neb, as I like to call him, uh, he's taken them away, right? And he's got these guys in his own land. Terrible season. Uh, and from this group of Israelites, we've got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They found favor with the Lord. They've been humble before him, and he's, 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 he's blessed them. Um, King Neb told all of his officials to go out and find the wisest men in the whole land, found these guys, uh, and after this like 10-day trial period uh, where Daniel said, you know what, give everyone else the king's food. I don't want to eat that. Give us only vegetables. See who's better. These guys are like light years ahead. This is where we get the Daniel fast from, by the way. This is where it comes from. Um, and uh, in, in chapter 2, Daniel interprets the king's dream. We know that story. King Nebuchadnezzar has this big dream. Daniel interprets it right. So these guys are in his good books. Daniel and his mates, they're in the king's good books. And, and this is where we pick up the story in, in, in Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to read a few, a few passages for us as we look at the power of living together in spiritual community. Let's have a look from Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to, 1 to 7. King Neb made a gold statue, 90 feet high. It's pretty big, 27 meters, right? Nine feet wide. He sets it up in the province of Babylon. He sent word to all the big dogs, verse 2. I'm paraphrasing here for the sake of the... Millennial translation, I don't know. Um, he sent all the big dogs to round everyone up for this dedication ceremony, right? Verse three. So all the, all the main money, they got, they got everyone together uh, and they stood up before the statue uh, that King Neb had set up. Verse four, a herald loudly proclaimed, people of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of all the musical instruments, uh, flute, zither, not sure what that is, lyre, harp, drum and bass, uh, drum and every kind of music, you're to fall face down, 
fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship, what's going to happen? They're going to be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Tricky situation, right? And we know with King Neb and the kings of the day, you don't just disagree with that. I mean, what he said is going to happen, it's going to happen. You're going to end up in the fire if you say no. Verse 7, therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the musical instruments, they fell down and worshipped the gold statue that, that, that the king had set up. So it's a pretty big idea, right? Lots of people, everyone following orders, everyone doing what the king, what the world, what the worldly system said they should do. Uh, verse 8, some Chaldeans, I believe I pronounced that correctly, took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Neb, may the king live forever. You know, you had to do that greeting, otherwise he might just decide to kill you. Literally, the oaks were volatile back in the day. Um, you as king have issued a decree. We know what it was. Whenever the music plays, everyone's to fall down and worship, right? Verse 12, there's some Jews among you, among us. Uh, there, there it is. You've appointed to manage this province, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. What do you think King Neb's reaction is? He's not stoked, eh? He is, he has no quat for demensa. They're a furious rage. Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in these guys. And so they were brought before him. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? Now, if you're ready, if you're ready, in other words, get ready, when you hear the sound of all these musical instruments, fall down and worship the statue that I've made. But if you don't, if you don't, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Oh, that's, mm. we know what's coming, right? We know what's coming. Verse 16, here's the part I want us to see this morning, church. Here's the part I want to see when it comes to the power of spiritual community. Look at what it does. The three men replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of, of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know as king that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Oh man, even if he does not rescue us, I'm not willing to bow. Church, here's the thing. Strong spiritual community will get you to act courageously when everyone else is acting cowardly. That's what it does. It will help you withstand the most powerful worldly force at the time, King Nebuchadnezzar, and declare with faith so bold as to say, even if God doesn't rescue us, my friends and I, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow down. My, my conviction of Christ is greater than my fear of men. My conviction of Christ is greater than my fear of men. I'm not bowing down to anything other than Jesus. I don't care what threats you throw at me. The world can bow down to the ground in fear. I'm standing to my feet in faith. 
Man, that's powerful. And so here's this question, church, that I wanted to leave with you this morning. Who's the, who's the King Nebuchadnezzar in your life? What's the, what's the voice that's telling you to bow down? In fear, when spiritual community would hold your hands up and, let, and, and say, let's, let's stand up in faith to this thing. What's that voice in your life? Is it a plan of God that you feel on your heart he's asking you to do, to trust him with? Is it an old or toxic relationship that you know you need to get out of, but you've been too fearful to do? Is it something in your family where reconciliation or forgiveness has to take place to bring healing, but you can't seem to find the courage to make the first move? Remember this moment in biblical history, friends. Everyone else bowed down in worship to the world. Spiritual community stood up in faith to God. And we have hope here this morning with one another that we can stand in support and see those miracles take place. Amen. Um, let's just conclude by looking at the, at the part that most of us are familiar with with the story. After throwing the men into the fire because obviously they weren't willing to bow down. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar jumps up in verse 24 in alarm. He says to his advisors, didn't we throw three men in bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tired, walking around the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come out. And so they came out of the fire. When all the main men saw, uh, gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed. Their robes were unaffected and there was no smell of fire on them. Look at King, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's response. He exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command, risked their lives rather than to serve or worship any God except their own. The same God who the king had previously ridiculed is now the God that the, that the same king praises. Which God can rescue you from my power? Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Friends, with the power of God's work in spiritual community, a king's heart was turned around. Kind of makes you think what it can do, hey? Kind of makes you wonder what it can do. I'm going to conclude with this final thought, and you're welcome to stand with me, church, as we, as we do that. And sure, and you can join me back up here if you'd like, man, as well, on the keys. I was enjoying the um, atmosphere you were you were creating there, sir. But um, I want to conclude with this, with this, with this final thought um, from this story, this well-known story in the Bible. Um, you know, everyone knows and rejoices in that last part that we read. When we, you know, when we see the fourth man in the fire and God rescues them and He delivers them from the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but just notice again how they got to that part that everyone rejoices in. They were willing to die for their faith in God. In order to get the deliverance, they had to be willing to go through the fire, right? Would they have been as comfortable to do that standing on their own? Possibly. But it does speak to something about the idea of having hands to hold in a fire, right? Going through something like that with like-minded people who've got your back, willing to stand with you when everyone else isn't. And so here's the question that I want to end with us, uh, that, that I want to end for us this morning, churches. Just simply to ask the question, who have you got in your corner? 
Who's there? Who's, who's your spiritual community? And, and, and can your community withstand the fiery trials that life throws at you? It's an important question. It's, an, it's a question that I've asked of myself many times. Who's in my corner? Who have you got that's going to stand in faith instead of take flight? Faith or flight when things get hot around us. Because life is going to throw some trials our way, right? Whether we're in church or not, life is going to throw some trials at you. And the question I want to ask us this morning and the motivation that I want to encourage us with is, is let's step into spiritual community together. Let's, let's, let's step into this thing. Even if it seems weird or awkward or if we've had an experience like that. Because I promise you, this is where, this is where the beauty of enjoying the Lord more lies. It lies in community with one another. And so with that in mind, let's close our eyes and bow our heads as we wrap up the service in a word of prayer. And I just want to pray for us this morning that, that God would show us who we need to have in our corner. Maybe He's calling you to just take that step of faith and, and you know, like we said, trust Him for that thing or, or just move forward in that relationship. And, you, and you're going to need some community to help you do that. I want to pray for us this morning to, to receive that. So Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the incredible example that we have in your word of, of the power of what spiritual community does. Lord, thank you that when we stand with one another, we stand stronger. Thank you that spiritual community is able to help us get through the fiery happen in and through the relationships that we have with one another. Holy Spirit, teach us to be wise about them. Bring the right people across our paths and Lord, give us the courage to, to be committed, to, to, to be frequent to be devoted, to be compassionate in those communities because that's what you've called us to be. That's how you've called us to live. Father, where there's been a fragmented experience, would you bring healing? When there's an uncertainty, would you bring clarity? And Father, where there's a conviction, would you open the door so that all of us as a body of believers, whether we're connected to this one or another one, would get to the end of this year and look back having enjoyed the Lord through the presence of his community. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's your name that unites us. It's your name, Jesus. That's why we gather. And we thank you and honor you for the power of and, and privilege of that. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Church, could you give God one more shout of praise and worship this morning and Thanksgiving? And um, I really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you for the extra five minutes or so. As always, if you're new to Father's House, you're welcome to enjoy a free cup of coffee on us. Otherwise, there'll be some personal prayer up front. Please fill out a hello card if you'd like to step into any of those volunteer teams I mentioned. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you on Sunday. God bless everyone. Thank you.